0: Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. In this episode, I speak with Scalp Clinical's Executive Vice President of Patient Experience and Customer Success, Kimberly Heidman. We explore how patients can be helped to enrol in clinical trials despite barriers, and importantly, stick with them once enrolled. Discussing how it's a matter of creating inclusive pathways to research care for patients, creating tangible patient access, regardless of factors such as location, economic status, age, disability or race. Our conversation crosses from the US to India, from Russia to Ukraine touches on Israel, and mulls over issues of patient concierge travel and reimbursement services throughout, settling on the necessity of a toolbox, a whole package, That permits for the whole person in the ecosystem of health. I hope you find this week's episode of interest and its shared insights. And as ever, thank you for listening. This is web editor Nicole Raleigh and today I have with me Kimberly Heidman, Executive Vice President of Patient Experience and Customer Success at Scout Clinical. Today, we'll be discussing driving transformative change in the clinical research field in order to improve patient access. Welcome, Kimberly.
1: Thank you, Nicole. Happy to be here.
0: So Scout Clinical is part of Meeting Protocol Worldwide, a Dallas-based family of brands providing full-service meeting planning for the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industries, as well as clinical trial patient concierge travel and reimbursement services. Its mission is to help patients enroll in clinical trials and stick with them which is vitally important. So before we begin honing in on the changes needed in clinical trials in order to affect this, perhaps, Kimberly, you could tell our listeners a little bit about your journey to this point and what led you to working in this field.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I had the privilege of starting my career in the life sciences space In the latter part of the 1990s, I worked uh, at a division of the World Health Organization, um, a subsidiary there called the Division of Mental Health and Prevention of Substance Abuse via the Worldwide Project on Sleep and Health. I worked with Uh, two very prominent investigators in that space, one at UCLA and one at Henry Ford, and really got the opportunity to cut my teeth in life sciences by starting as a grant writer. Uh, So I I had the privilege of learning about research from uh, very respected and, and very wise individuals. And I caught the bug there and wanted to continue my career in uh, research and education and had the opportunity to join meeting protocol in the early 2000s. And at that time, we were really focused on physician education, uh, working with the sponsors and the the pharmas and the biotechs to bring the protocol education to the investigators and the clinical research sites. Uh, So had the opportunity to continue to learn more about research in my early career. And in the mid 2000s, we developed our learning management system focused on uh, clinical research and training and then Scout Clinical later in 2016. So I have had the, the opportunity to work in various areas of life sciences now culminating in the patient services division. And can you tell us a bit more about your journey since being at Scout Clinical? I think the the most uh, impactful part of the journey for me was really starting to understand the perspective of the whole person in clinical research, and I think it's really uh, motivating in terms of my career, and as I've seen with my colleagues, and being able to start to push forward the conversation and the landscape of how we view the whole person in clinical research. It's very exciting to see the changes that we're starting to uh, conduct in clinical research with the sponsors having a a very um, ambitious desire to see DEI uh, in research and even FDA putting more emphasis on diversity and inclusion in research and how that impacts the outcomes so, I would say for me, the most exciting part of my journey is seeing the the changes that are coming to fruition now, not just in technology, but in terms of, again, seeing the the participant as a whole person.
0: Okay. So thinking about those changes and perhaps what changes yet need to be undertaken, perhaps even those that are being done by Scout clinical at the moment, if we think about the sort of facts and figures about clinical trials as they stand, In the main, on average in the United States, clinical trial participants are traveling somewhat around 67 miles one way to visit a clinical trial site. And this is contributing to about a 55% standard of trials being terminated. Due to insufficient patient enrollment and retention. So how can clinical trial patient concierge services like Scout Clinical help in this regard? I mean, Scout Clinical is involved in phases one through four, as well as real world research. So given all the complexity in everything, how do we reduce the burden on the patients so that they stick with it?
1: I think you're bringing up the issue of the complexity is very important. So the data point that you mentioned about the a lot of the patients having to travel or an average of patients having to travel sixty five plus miles one way to a research site, uh, that's just one data point, right? We know that the the burden of travel, is impactful on patient populations, no matter if you live in an urban area or a rural area. So we have to overcome that specific barrier um, and the barrier of cost neutrality. We can talk about that as well. But this is just one data point that impacts the patient. Uh, we also have the uh, the burdens of the um, the education. That participants have where the awareness of clinical research, where is the clinical research being conducted? How do I get there? What is it going to cost me to get there? And what's the burden on my family? So when we look at participation and mitigation of barriers, it can't just be around transportation. It needs to be around the toolbox, right, that we're looking at for these participants. Is there a barrier to participation via transportation or is it potentially a cultural barrier? Is it a linguistic barrier? Uh, So I think for us, the complexity is developing a suite of services that doesn't require our clients to be in a box. The, The pharmaceutical and biotech companies need a provider that offers a full suite of services That will push you across all of those barriers? Can you rely on a trusted partner who can bring together the culmination of these services that will impact each patient individually based on where they're coming from or socioeconomic barriers, things like that? We need to offer a full suite, not just offer one solution.
0: Okay. So within that suite, for example, how would something like transportation and travel be addressed? Would this be a case of home visits or would it be a sort of funded transport service? How does that work? Do you have any examples?
1: Yeah, I would, I generally recommend to, uh, when I'm collaborating with sponsors, to look at how can we create cost neutrality along with the provision of coordinated services. So, for example, we don't want to just offer a patient and their family or a participant and their family a stipend or an out-of-pocket expense reimbursement. We want to present them with the travel options that will start out as cost-neutral. So you have to be able to provide for not only flights and ground transportation, but in the event of potentially cross-border enrollment, which we're seeing at a, a more increased rate in clinical trials, specifically in rare disease trials, we have to be able to coordinate and pay for those expenses for the patients and their families holistically. So that may be Uh, that we're coordinating long-term housing or cultural relocation. We need to find locations for these patients where they can relocate near to the, the Center for Excellence or the center where they're being treated. That will accommodate their cultural and ethnic needs. So there's a lot of examples of how this is accommodated in various countries and regions. I was just on a call this morning talking specifically about a patient population in India and coordinating transportation in India and the particular concerns around long-distance travel to villages and towns that are not well-served and how do we accommodate that. And at Scout, what we do is we make sure that we have a network of partners on the ground in those countries that we're using, that we're actively involved with. So that we're really overseeing the experience of the patient, not just sending an airline ticket or loading a debit card, but actually being involved in what's happening with those patients as they travel to the clinical trial sites.
0: So it's a matter of sort of true, tangible involvement in creating these inclusive pathways. I mean... You've just mentioned India, but Scout Clinical has moved people and managed payments in over 100 countries for clinical trials, ranging from two patients, if we're talking about the ultra rare disease, to 2,000 patients, hasn't it?
1: That is correct. Uh, We do see a wide variety of the requirements across therapeutic areas. And specifically, we really like to look into what is required for certain therapeutic areas and certain patient populations that are specifically affected in regions that we support so we've had the opportunity and the privilege to work with like you said trials as small as you know n equals two all the way to these really large trials Vaccine trials or or various types of trials with larger populations. But what we've learned is that the services have to be customized and unique. You can't offer one set of services to a sponsor and say, this will work broadly across all of these studies and in these regions, because that simply isn't the truth. Uh, We need to be customizing and flexible and make sure that we are ahead of the curve in what needs to be offered in these populations.
0: So you've mentioned the vaccine trials. I just wondered, have you seen a difference sort of pre, during and post pandemic, if we are indeed post pandemic, um, in what's being asked of um, a company like Scout Clinical?
1: Yes, I mean, I I think, you know, I I agree with you. Are we really post pandemic? That's a good question. Uh, But one of the things that we saw in the COVID pandemic was a shift in how we view the patients and how we view clinical research. You know, and until COVID, many people just didn't understand the clinical research process. And now we see more people actively involved, learning about the clinical research process, wanting to be involved in the process so that they can move global health forward. A lot more people are wanting to be on the cutting edge of that and be a part of something. And we saw a change in COVID in terms of how the sponsors were also approaching this, wanting to to give more emphasis on cost neutrality and how that can can impact the patients. But also, we've seen changes in the regulatory environment. Uh, Specifically, we saw and opening up in some countries and a, and a flexibility that was increased in terms of regulatory to reduce burden on patients during COVID, because it was so difficult for people to achieve participation and even treatment, just general healthcare treatment. You look at when we had the shutdowns and how difficult it was for people to get to and from healthcare visits. Um, and you mentioned home health visits and how that's impacted. You know, During COVID, we saw an increase in clinical trial sites needing to get to their patients, not just patients needing to get to the trial site, but how could we potentially move those clinical research professionals so that they could service their patients and and treat their patients? So a lot of changes that have come about based on that uh, particular situation.
0: Okay. And without the sort of impact we've been discussing there, COVID in, in general, how does Scout Clinical assist Pharma and Biotech with regulatory matters?
1: In general, uh, you know, we are responsible for the patient-facing documentation aspect of our services. We have to be prepared to offer collaborative and consultative services to our clients, building an effective and efficient patient package of documents. We have to stay abreast of what's required uh, for the informed consent. So, at Scout, we have our own regulatory processes in terms of how we approach the informed consent, not only from a data privacy standpoint, but from a services standpoint. We have to make sure that Any of the services that we're offering in terms of stipend payments or other services are going to fall within the confines of what are allowable in terms of the countries that we're supporting. And the local IRBs and ECs are going to have very specific feedback on how data is processed, how it is handled, what are the types of payments that we're going to be making and mechanisms, you know. One of the mechanisms for payment in clinical research that's been the largest, probably the greatest used mechanism is the debit card. But Mm -hmm. as we all know, a debit card is not allowable in all countries. You have to have alternatives for how you can create cost neutrality outside of just the standard debit card. Uh, So part of Scout's mission is to make sure that we're offering our sponsors the the broadest amount of information on how to approach those regulatory requirements.
0: Okay, has there been any a special example where it's been particularly challenging to overcome the barriers that have cropped up?
1: Yeah, I I think we can use a, a current example. Uh, you know, we provide and have provided services for patients and clinical trial sites in Russia for years and in Ukraine for years, and. You know, COVID presented some challenges from a geographic standpoint, uh, the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, uh, now in Israel. We have patients in all of these locations in the Middle East. Uh, we are supporting clinical trial sites and patients and their families in all of these countries. And so we've seen a real challenge in terms of how do we continue to provide those services within the confines of the geopolitical climate. You know, you can't specifically, there are restrictions on how payments are made even to vendors and partners in Russia. Um, And we had to take a very problem-solving oriented position in how we could make sure that these patients don't, they're not kept from the, the treatment that they desperately need because of these situations. So Scout has had to flex. Um, And fortunately, because we have 25 years of global business experience and partners on the ground, we were able to adapt to that.
0: Yes. I mean, setting aside sort of or not perhaps setting aside uh, geopolitical matters when it comes to patient access, if we're sort of looking into the future, humanity being what it is in 10 to 20 years from now what do you envisage or what does Scout Clinical envisage patient concierge services as looking like?
1: Well, I mentioned earlier that I'm really excited about the changes that we're seeing in terms of how the industry is viewing the clinical trial participant. I think the most exciting thing to me is really seeing the advancement of viewing how the whole person impacts clinical trial outcomes. You know, we look at underrepresented communities in clinical research and the fact that we need to have more representation, whether that be from different ethnicities, different countries, uh, locations, age representation in clinical research is huge because this is going to move the needle forward in terms of global health. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're all looking forward towards is, is, is impact on global health. So I think in 10 or 20 years, what I'd really like to see and what we're trying to innovate here at Scout is to kind of be an apex of a solution where you're building a toolbox for clinical research, right? We're looking at the aspects of the whole person in terms of meeting them where they are culturally in their community, learning more about research education and healthcare education in specific communities. Physician awareness. You know, it's not just about getting the patients to and from the research, but making the patients aware via their general practitioners, their general physicians, their doctor that they trust and rely on and moving the needle forward in physician education. And then the deeper barriers to participation. Let's talk about mental health, right? Let's talk about the impact on our mental health that our physical health has, and how do we help the patients there? Uh, So we want to be a part of advancing technologies, educational materials. We're really putting a lot of emphasis on community outreach and how we can partner with trial sponsors for measurable outcomes, building this toolbox. So I would say stand by. You're going to see some exciting things happening at Scout and and what we're doing to to try to be a part of that solution.
0: So a whole package or toolbox for the whole person in this ecosystem of health. Thank you, Kimberly. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Nicole.
0: And so that concludes another episode of the Pharmaform podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous instalments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, or X nowadays, at at AdPharmaFawn. That's all for now. Thank you for listening.